Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. How many of you guys know that God is on the move in this place? I figure that if you are here today at the 11 o'clock when you woke up this morning, uh, you woke up to a monsoon. Anybody else besides me? But you decide you're coming to church because church matters. And uh, hey, I want you to know here at Awaken right now, we're in an interesting season because we have consolidated uh, our Somerville campus and our Charleston campus so that we can regroup and relaunch. And this past week, we had an incredible uh, startup event for our Somerville campus. They bought, I think, like 180 cupcakes for a whole lot of people. If you're here at church today because you got a cupcake, I want you to know it gets better. So just keep on coming back, all right? Acts chapter 8, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up. We are in a series called Plus One, and the point of this series is this. God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody's life. Let me say it again because I don't think you believe it. God wants to use you to make a difference in somebody else's life. The book of Acts is nonstop stories of God using everyday, average, common people like you and me to make a difference for his kingdom. And, and this story that we're reading today is no different. It's about a man named Philip. This was not uh, Jesus' disciple named Philip. This is a different Philip, a Philip who at some point came to know Jesus in the early church, and then God used him in a mighty way. If you got your Bibles, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Let's read it together. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasure of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I? unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. I want to preach a message that if you're taking notes, it's titled, When the Spirit Starts Speaking. When the Spirit starts speaking, I believe one of the most important things in the life of a believer, of a Christian, is to learn to hear from the Spirit of God, to hear His voice, 
to listen to his voice and to actually do what he says. We heard a story earlier where Lauren Livingood said, uh, I felt like God was telling me to share my faith and I did it. And because she did it, there's a girl named Rachel that's now a part of our church and is serving actively in kids and teaching kids about Jesus back there. And I just think about the importance of being obedient to what the Spirit of God says to us. To give you some context of this story, I'm going to make it, just summarize it real quick. The early church in the book of Acts uh, experienced an explosion of growth. Acts chapter 2, thousands of people got saved and baptized. At the end of Acts chapter 2, they're in all these small groups organized in these home groups. And the church is growing and blowing. One of the men who gave his life to Jesus as a part of this movement was Philip. And he was just, just like you. He would just imagine a businessman, imagine a student, just a normal guy that at some point heard the gospel and said, yep, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. Now, there was a problem in the early church because it was growing so rapidly, uh, there were so many needs. And one of the needs was to take care of these widows. In the first century, if you were a widow, if you didn't have a, a husband and you were like, left to fend for yourself, you were very vulnerable. That's why Jesus said, take care of the widows and take care of the orphans. And so in the early church, the widows started complaining, hey, we're not getting the food distributed that we need, right? Older women sometimes can file complaints. I'll probably get an email about that, right? I love y'all. But here's the deal. Uh, they started complaining, we're not getting the food that we need. And so the, the, the apostles said, okay, here's the deal. We got a problem. Let's fix the problem. Leadership 101, discipleship 101. They said, let's select some men from within the church to take care of these widows and be over the food distribution. Philip was one of the guys. So Philip becomes a servant in the early church. And as he's serving and going about his job, basically we find that God tells uh, Philip to go to Samaria. The early church started getting persecuted. There was a man named Stephen. Stephen got stoned for his faith. Persecution broke out against the church and we're told the believers scattered. Philip went to Samaria, and when Philip goes to Samaria, we're told that he just goes about preaching the good news, and a revival breaks out in Samaria. Thousands upon thousands of people give their lives to Jesus in Samaria, and Philip is like, he's the man leading the charge. Samaria was the place, if you remember that um, Jesus crossed those ethnic lines and racial lines, Jews and Samaritans did not mix. This was not a great place for Philip to go, right? This wouldn't be like, oh man, I feel like God's calling me to Miami, Right? You're like, well, I'd love to go to Miami. This would be like, uh, for Philip, um, this would be like God's calling me to go to Iraq. Hostility, ethnic differences, religious differences. Philip goes to Samaria, leads thousands to Jesus. And then the next morning when he wakes up, what we find is that God says, all right, I have a different assignment for you. And he tells him, I want you to go down south on the road that leads from Gaza, or from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. Just go start walking. And y'all, I love the fact that Philip listened. Because most of us probably wouldn't have listened. Like if life is good, church is growing, everything's amazing, all these people getting saved, why would I want to leave and go to this desert road by myself, going to a place, I don't even know exactly where I'm going yet. But that's what faith looks like. Philip starts walking. And as he's walking, the Holy Spirit speaks to him again. Go over to that chariot. Now, what's on the other side of the road is this chariot coming with this Ethiopian eunuch in it. And there's no easy way to say this except that a eunuch is someone, is a man who at some point in his life was castrated. Let's get past that. 
This was an Ethiopian eunuch. This was commonplace for, uh, he was guarding the treasure, he was guarding the finances of the queen of Ethiopia. He was castrated so that he wouldn't be a threat to take over the kingdom. It provided security for this queen. And so his whole life, his job, whether he, that happened when he was born or as a teenager, essentially this man was uh, used for this position and he has traveled to Jerusalem to go worship. We're told that he went to Jerusalem to worship. It's a pilgrimage of sorts. And so as he leaves Jerusalem, he's going back to Gaza in this chariot, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah and he's reading out loud. And Philip goes over and hears him reading and Asked a couple questions. Hey, do you know what you're reading? How can I, if you don't, if someone doesn't teach me? He welcomes Philip in, and Philip eventually shares the gospel, leads the man to Jesus, and then he baptizes him. The reason I want to talk about this story is because I think there's some principles in here that if we apply them, we'll see God begin to use us in ways that we never even thought possible. So if you're taking notes, here's the first point that I'd love for you to write down. If we want to be used by God, to help bring some plus ones into the kingdom, to reach those people around us. First thing is this, we have to, we have to prioritize people. We have to prioritize people, not deal with people, right? You're just like, yeah, I know, I gotta, I'm talking about prioritize people. You know, there was a, a study put out by the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons. And, and this is what, they, they, they put out a study and it was called this, uh, Digital Dead walkers, digital dead walkers. Now, these are orthopedic surgeons. Their jobs are basically to put people's bodies back together, all right? Like when you have a knee replacement or a joint replacement or physical therapy, the reason they put this out is because what they found in 2015 was that there was over 70,000 injuries to pedestrians who were on phones. Now, I know nobody in here does that, but imagine... You're walking downtown Charleston, and you're on your phone, and you're trying to cross over uh, King Street, and you're trying to get uh, through, let's see, uh, you're trying to, what's the worst intersection I can think of? Let's say King Street to St. Philip, because you got College of Charleston students right there. A lot of them from out of town don't know how to drive, and you're trying to cross, and they're turning onto a one-way, and you're on your phone. Guess what? It doesn't end well, all right? Basically, they found this was happening all over the place because people were on their phones, either scrolling on social media or talking on the phone, not paying attention to what was around. Worse than that, 4,200 deaths because people were on their phone walking. Now, I want to propose to you that I believe that there's a lot of Christians that walk around spiritually as dead walkers, not even paying attention to the people around them. For instance, God has positioned you. Listen. Some of you, God has positioned you in circles of people that desperately need to hear about his good news. Do you have an awareness of where they are? Are you, even, are you aware that maybe somebody sitting right next to you, maybe somebody working with you needs to know about the good news of Jesus, needs some hope, needs some encouragement? I think spiritually it's easy to walk around and not even be aware of what people around us are actually navigating through. Philip cared for people, he prioritized people. And the reason we know this is because while he's just preached this massive revival where thousands of people got saved, y'all, that's something that typically would get celebrated, right? Man, that's a great preacher and all these people got saved. That's not where Philip started. Where Philip started was stocking the food pantry and dealing with people complaining, right? He was behind the scenes. He was a servant. 
If you wanna be used by God, let me just go ahead and lay this out there. If you wanna be used by God, never get too good to be a servant, right? Like if you go, oh, my gifts are public. Like they're, they're in the spotlights, be careful because I've, I've seen God, God chooses to use the people that'll hold doors and change diapers and take care of kids. So don't ever think for a minute just because your gift isn't publicized the same way that somehow it's prioritized in a different way. If you're caring for people and serving people, that's the person that God's gonna use. And that's what we see Philip doing. Philip goes from working in the food pantry to one day the church gets persecuted and he goes to Samaria. And like I said earlier, none of us would be like, yes, Lord, send me to Samaria. Because Samaria was the place like racially different, culturally different, belief religious-wise different. Like we stayed away from Samaria, but that's where Philip was sent. And in this story... What's so amazing is the person that God chooses to send Philip to here really couldn't be any more different than him. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, this is what I want you to envision. This was a man coming from, obviously, Ethiopia. He's been confused his whole life about his sexual identity. So he's a man, but he's castrated, probably at a young age, which means he never had testosterone going through puberty, so I want you to imagine a grown man, sexually confused, racially different than Philip, and here he is, and he's making this trek to Jerusalem, and he goes to Jerusalem to worship, so he's curious about God. He wants to know about this God, but when he goes to Jerusalem, what would have happened to him, he would not have been allowed into the temple, because you couldn't. He was deemed unclean. See, the temple was segmented out. You, you, you worshiped according to your gender, so males over here, females over here. Jews over here, Gentiles or Greeks over here, right? Like it was, it was all about you segregate according to your identity. That's how the law put everything in place. Well, here comes a man, doesn't even know who he is. He's confused. Am I a man? Am I a woman? I'm not like a man. Like, do I fit? Where do I belong? And he's, the man's full of confusion. And somewhere along the line in Jerusalem, he got a scroll of Isaiah and he's reading it on the way home. Can you get the picture I want, you to, I want you to grasp the picture of a man who wants to know about God, who's even reading the word of God that maybe he grabbed as a souvenir on the way out, but he doesn't have anybody to explain to him who this God is. You know, I think this is indicative of exactly where our culture is today. People going, I, I kind of want to know about that God, so I'm spiritual. Maybe I've got an experience with God. I've been to church at some point in my life. But culturally, I'm so confused, maybe even feeling used, I don't even know who I am. Could it be that God's got us buddied up next to some people that need some answers to their questions in life? I think so. I think so. I think there's people that are, that are, that are curious, that are questioning, but y'all, they, they don't have anybody willing to actually answer the questions. <laughs> this man's riding in a chariot, reading Isaiah out loud, right? And he's reading from Isaiah 53, which Isaiah 53 is literally all about Jesus. It points to Jesus. And as Philip's going, the Spirit says to him, I want you to go over there and talk to him. And I imagine Philip's like, I don't know about that guy. Because just the thought of that scares me. Like, I want you to think about Denzel Washington in an in a, in a entourage, okay? So like modern day, it'd be like a fleet of Suburbans all tinted out, right? And you're just kind of walking along the street, Denzel puts the window down. You're like, yeah, I'm intimidated. I ain't going over there, right? That's what Philip's dealing with. 
He didn't, he, he didn't have a lot in common with this guy. But y'all, listen, we would, we would do really well to not think God will only use us to reach people just like us, right? He will use you to reach people that are different racially, that are different educationally, that are different socioeconomically, that are different religious. Like, he will use you to reach anybody if you're available. You gotta be willing to say yes. And you gotta put aside any biases that you might have. Prioritize people, that's number one. That's why Paul says in Galatians chapter three, look what he says. He says, if you're baptized in Christ, there is no longer male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. Now, doesn't mean that we're not still male and female. We are. Some of y'all are like, thank you for covering that. Doesn't mean that we're not Jew or Greek, slave or free. Are we different? We have different backgrounds, yes. But, but, the gospel unites all of us. When we come to Jesus, he says all those divisions don't matter anymore. All that matters is Jesus. Prioritize people. It's important. Number two is this. Be led by the Spirit. We got to be led by the Spirit. When is the last time, don't raise your hand, this is rhetorical, but it's something we all need to think about. When's the last time you actually heard from God? Like, when's the last time you, and you're like, how do I know? How do I, when's the last time you had a prompting and you felt like God was telling you to do something or say something or go somewhere? Philip is, it's intriguing to me because everything's good in Philip's life when he first hears, right? Like, this is what, this is what he's seen take place in Jerusalem, this massive revival and thousands saved. He's just seen this happen in Samaria, the place that they didn't believe this could really happen. It happened. God's using them in a mighty way. God says, Philip wakes up, and it's like, God says, go. Okay, where are we going? Doesn't matter where you're going, just go. Where am I going? Doesn't matter, just go. It's the same thing like Abraham in the Old Testament. God told Abraham, get up and go. Genesis 12, where am I going? Just go, just be obedient. You don't need all the details. Let me ask you a question. Like, do you need all the details from God before you answer his first, you know what I mean? Like, Philip gets up, okay, starts walking. I imagine there's people in Samaria that were like, Philip, you need to stay. Like, we, we need you here. Like, stick with the mission here. But Philip said, I've heard from God and I need to go. And he starts walking down this road. And as he's walking down the road, the spirit, we hear the spirit speaks to him again. Go to that chariot. There's a sensitivity to the spirit of God. Now, if you say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the last time I've actually heard from God. Which maybe a lot of you are in that camp. How do I hear from God? Can I give you a, a quick equation on how not to hear from God? First is this. Stay so busy that you don't even try to listen to him. Busyness is an enemy of effectiveness in the kingdom. You can get so busy that you don't even stop to listen to his voice. And then the second is just sin. Like if sin's present in your life, ongoing sin, you're not going to hear from God. Now, hopefully you'll experience conviction, like the Holy Spirit convicts us in our sin. Hopefully if there's sin in your life, you you do have a sense of conviction that God's word and holiness would tell me not to partake in these things. But if you, you, it's possible to be so busy and entertain sin so much that you nullify the voice of God in your life. You go, I'm not hearing from him anymore. You can, you can, you can, you can shush God enough to where you actually stop hearing from him. You go, well, how, how do I hear from God? Well, there, there's two things I want to help, help remind us of. The first is this. 
And I wrote the word volume in here because I think it's really important. We live in a loud world. Everything's shouting at us, yelling at us. Social media's coming at us. News is coming at us. People in the workplace coming at us. Culture coming at us. Like the world is loud. And what we see all throughout scripture is that God speaks not like this, but more like this. Like 1 Kings chapter 19, God tells Elijah, hey, come up on the mountain. Meet me on the mountain. And Elijah goes up on the mountain. And what we find in 1 Kings 19 is that there's this loud windstorm that comes. This imagine. But we're told God wasn't in the wind. And then there's this earthquake that shakes the world. Just massive earthquake. But Elijah's, God wasn't in the earthquake. And then he goes back in the cave. And it's in the cave that God whispers to Elijah. You think about Jesus. There's times Jesus was in front of thousands preaching and teaching from the Sea of Galilee, but he retreated and went away to be with his father. It's quiet. Can I just tell you the times that I've heard God speak the loudest in my life has not been on platforms like this. I remember walking, leaving Bocce's in downtown Charleston on a date with my wife, walking down Market Street, 2011, when God first put a prompting, maybe you could do ministry in this city. Then I remember going to Haiti, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and then going to Titayan and sitting with a woman who ran a children's home, having a conversation about faith when God affirmed in my heart through Marie, what would it look like for you to have faith enough to actually do what God implanted in your heart a couple weeks ago to plant a church? Whispers. I think sometimes we come to church and go, maybe I'll get a word in a sermon today. Or maybe I'll grab something out of a worship song. And those aren't bad things, but listen, God will speak to you so loud over his word on a Wednesday morning by yourself. But you gotta be willing to listen. You gotta tune in. You gotta check the volume. He's not gonna be yelling stuff at you. Now, he might. He might say something on a Sunday morning like, yep, that hit me in the heart. But don't get dependent on God shouting on a Sunday morning. Be willing to dig into time with him on a Wednesday morning or a Friday evening or a Saturday morning where you actually hear from him. Because that's the times he's going to speak to you personally. You've got to be willing to listen. You've got to lean in and listen. First, check the volume. And then second, you go, how do I know it's from God? Right? Because this isn't like just wake up one day and go, hmm, let's see. What does God want me to do today? I didn't hear from him, so I just keep watching Netflix until he sends me a message. Right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not how this works. Check the volume and then always, listen, always verify what you hear God saying to you according to his word. Because God will never speak something to you that contradicts his scripture. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's not a lot of things God can't do, but here's one thing God can't do. He can't contradict himself, right? God can't hate because he's love, right? Like, so, and when I think about his word, it's like, okay, well, just a ma- so for instance, because I've been in conversations like this before. You know what? It's just not working out at home. Marriage is tough. Rocky roads. We've tried everything. I think maybe God just wants us to call it quits. Well, let's, let's see what scripture has to say. Because he's not going to contradict himself, right? So you may be feeling the spirit going, it's time. I'm just going to pack up. It's time to go. But God's word might say, no, no, no. Maybe, maybe it's not leave her. Maybe it's forgive her. Maybe it's serve her. Maybe it's sacrifice for her. Maybe it's go to counseling with her, right? Because God is for marriage. So let's, let's not impose what we want the Spirit to say to us onto what he's actually saying to us. Because one way to really 
have difficulty hearing from God is when you've already made up your mind and you're just waiting for him to endorse your decision, right? Because it's like, that, that's you. God bless my plans, bless my ideas, bless worldly wisdom, bless what I think is best, bless what my neighbor who doesn't even know Jesus told me to do, right? Like, I'm saying, if we wanna know is God speaking, we measure it up against scripture. When Philip's walking, right, and, 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 and the spirit says, go to the chariot, and he walks over to the chariot, what Philip had to measure that up against was what he'd been taught according to the scriptures through the apostles in the early church, which was this. Jesus did not uphold these racial divisions that took place in their culture. He went through them. And so Philip would not have gone, ah, actually, I can't go over there, right? Like, I can't approach that guy. What Philip knew is, no, this is exactly why I was put down this road to have this encounter. Got to be willing to hear from the Spirit. And I don't want you to miss this. It's easy to quench the Spirit in your life. If sin's present, if busyness is present, you're not in the Word, before you know it, you, you start making decisions that you might think are good decisions. They're just not God decisions. So be willing to listen to what God's saying in your life. Third thing is this, and what we see from this story, is that we just need to talk more about Jesus. As Christians, let's talk more about Jesus. I was trying to think, man, is there a cooler way I could like phrase this? Nope. That's all I got, y'all. Philip, Philip's walking, and he, and he walks over beside this chariot. Now, that's the definition of weird, by the way. Because first of all, this is a royal entourage, and Philip's walking. Okay, so this is like, again, going back downtown Charleston, this would be like you walking down Market Street, and then over here, somebody just got married, and they're in one of those big white, like, carriages, you know what I'm saying? And they got, like, horses behind them and stuff. This would be like you walking over and just like, hey, what's up, you know? And that's what's taking place. And Philip, he's, I don't know how long he's walking before he actually engages in this conversation, but what we find is as he walks along the chariot, beside the chariot, this is what we find. The man is reading out loud from Isaiah. Now, this is like a softball for evangelism, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're not going to get this all the time. Uh, this is... Uh, Oh, you already, oh, and the passage you read is actually about Jesus. That's great. This would be the equivalent of you like going to Boeing and you go in the break room and somebody's reading from John chapter three and they're like, hey, what does this mean? You better be able to hit that pitch. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's, That's literally, that's literally what's taking place. But what's crazy to me is, is how God set it up on the other side. Now, now track with me, all right? We're, we're following what, what Philip was told to do, but God was working in this eunuch's heart, yeah. right? So there's, God's always working behind the scenes in ways that you can't see. Sometimes I think we go, well, if, if they ask, then I will. Well, maybe they're waiting on your ask, right? And so the man's reading, he's like, you know, in, he's got this scroll and he's reading out loud. He doesn't care. He's just trying to make sense of it. You know anybody that reads out loud in your life? Anybody? I'm the only one. Nope. We've got others. I married a beautiful girl who has the curse of reading out loud. So Ashley and I will be having our coffee in the morning, and she's like, oh, now I'm consulting you on you push us affairs, touch you So what, what that does is <laughs> often hey, what you reading? Because <laughs> I have to know this. I you know, I'm curious. And and what's happening here, the, the man's reading the thing out loud, and Philip goes, uh, hey, do you understand 
what you're reading. Like imagine God sent him on a mission, but the man's already reading the Bible, right? So he goes, uh, do you understand what it is that you're reading? He asks a great question. By the way, if you want to be a great evangelist or someone great at sharing your faith or reaching out to somebody, learn to ask great questions. And you go, well, I don't encounter people reading the Bible all the time. No, but you can ask them what they're listening to in terms of podcasts. You can ask what music they're listening to. Hey, what shows are you watching? Hey, where'd you go this weekend? You know, ask questions. Be interested more than interesting. Be willing to, to listen to what's going on in their life as opposed to just sharing what's going on in yours. All right? Just ask a question. You'd be amazed at what comes out. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy's like, how in the world? It's, whatever, it's, it's what all of us have thought when we read the Bible. How can I? Unless somebody teaches it to me. How can I possibly understand this? And what I want us to understand right here is that we, we already have in our hands, if you're here today at Awaken Church, we already have in our hands, I believe, two of the greatest gifts that God could possibly give to us. First is this, the word of God. You got a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. Get the word of God. And then second, we got people that teach the word of God. And it isn't just me. I'm talking about we got small group leaders, we got staff, and I would go so far as to say some of y'all have the gift of teaching the word of God. You're just not doing it right now. Now I'm offending my, my really good Christians. Some of y'all need to start a small group this fall. You need to go to Tevin, our Charleston campus pastor, or Lucas, our Summerville campus pastor, and say, hey, I believe God wants to use my gift of teaching to help people understand the word of God. And you may go, well, I'm not qualified. I don't feel like I know enough. Y'all, I led a small group when I wasn't even a one-year-old Christian. And I don't know what I taught them boys, but it was a high school group of guys. <laughs> my, my mentor's name's Eric. He's probably listening to this sermon. He texts me every Sunday. I led a, I led a group of high school guys in a Bible study. And I, hadn't, I didn't know then what I know now but what I knew then that I do know now is that God saved me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and my call on my life at the time was this, and what Eric saw in me, this young man has the gift of taking scripture and teaching it in such a way that it makes sense to people that don't know what he knows yet. Some of y'all have the gift of teaching and you might be waiting on some kind of degree to be used, but all it is is take somebody that maybe isn't where you are yet, let me teach you what I know. Let me teach you what I know. Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's what Paul said. And, and for some of you, it's like, hey, it's high time for you to go, you know what? I know enough, and I've got the gift of teaching. I'll take some people under my wing. Let's start in August and watch what God does. Because we have people sitting here right now and definitely in this community going, I want to know more about this, but how can I learn unless somebody teaches me? Step up. We need you. Trust me, we need you. Philip walks over, do you understand, how can I? And then the man says, why don't you get in the chariot with me? So Philip's like, sweet. He hops in, they start riding together, and in the process of them riding together, this is what we find out. I wanna read this because this is so important. As they, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, right? Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Here was the passage, by the way, I said it earlier, it's not Isaiah 53, this is what he read. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself 
Or was he talking about someone else? And I love this phrase. Beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He made a beeline, he made a beeline to Jesus. Now listen, our stories are important, our testimonies are important. Revelation tells us they were saved by the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony. But as you tell your testimony, make sure your testimony elevates Jesus. We need to talk more about Jesus. And, and those of you who are Christians and your life has been changed and transformed, just remember the source of that is Jesus. It's not awaken. We were a vehicle, but Jesus saved and changed your life. And, and, and I want that to be the forefront of what we share. You want to invite somebody to church? Great. Come to church. That's the one that told me about Jesus. Come here about Jesus. That's why every single Sunday service that we have, when I finish talking up here, I'm going to invite you to give your life to Jesus because he's the one that changes your life. You bring somebody to church, they're going to get an invitation to give their life to Jesus because he's the one that changes us. I love that Philip wasn't like, hey, let me tell you about Isaiah. He was a major prophet. Let me tell you about the nation of, of, of Israel at the time. Uh, let me put it all together for you. He just made a beeline to the cross. And somewhere in that, in that chariot, this man said, I believe it. I trust it. I want to I give my life. He's what I've been looking for. It's everything that I ever needed. He was brought into the family of God because he gave his life to Jesus. And then the fourth thing, and this is the last one, and I'll close up. If we want to be effective at being used by God and sharing our faith, we have to learn to seal the deal. Seal the deal. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water. Now keep in mind, they were in a desert place. God orchestrated this. God lined this up. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Now, how in the world would this eunuch know that baptism was the next step? Because Philip, Philip wouldn't have separated the two. Like in the New Testament, you give your life to Jesus, you're baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. They're always conjoined together. It's only in the modern church in America, I've got to say it, that it's like I made a personal decision for Jesus but you never actually get baptized. Baptism is the outward indicator of an inner decision. That's why this unit goes, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? Because his whole life he'd been told what he could not do. You can't come to the temple. You can't come in here and worship. You can't sit at this table. You can't sing these songs. You can't, and he's going, can I get baptized? And Philip's like, absolutely. And the man says, stop the chariot. Imagine the entourage, they throw up brakes. And then out, out of the chariot, now here comes Philip, here comes the eunuch, two men who couldn't be more different. <laughs> Keep in mind, Philip didn't have any money, and he was a missionary. And here's the Ethiopian eunuch, who's incredibly wealthy and incredibly powerful. Keep in mind, Philip was, you know, he's Middle Eastern, from Jerusalem, probably. Here's this Ethiopian, he's from Northern Africa, Ethnically, racially, incredibly different. Had nothing in common in terms of their background, except they both were seeking the Lord. And now here they are walking arm in arm down into the water, which by the way is a beautiful picture of the church. I think about the church, it breaks down all that stuff, amen? Doesn't matter what race you are, how much money you make, what your education is, what your background is. When you walk down into the water, here's the deal. The foot of the cross is level ground for everybody. They walk down into the water and Philip baptizes this man. And his entourage got to see it, by the way. 
They're witnessing a man whose life was changed forever. When I say seal the deal, I want you to think about it like this. I, I wear a wedding band. Now, if I, if I put that there and I come over here, it seems obvious, but we all know I'm still married. Right? Like that, that doesn't change it. So what's the point of a wedding band? When I do weddings, I always say, a wedding band is symbolic of the vows and the commitment that you make to each other. Seals it, right? It's a, it's a sign. Seals it. The deal that was made at the altar. Well, here's the deal. Baptism seals your faith. It's for you to have and hold, and it's for others to behold. And see, you go, that person's now different. It provides accountability and celebration. When this man came out of the water, his entourage knew we are no longer the same. Something changed on this day because the man who was confused and searching and wondering who he was about identity and inclusivity, he now knows I'm a part of the family of God. That is what baptism does for you. And on this day, that eunuch made that decision. And we're told that everybody started rejoicing. Philip gets whisked away and the eunuch went on his way. And, and I, I, I see this story and I'm, and I'm thinking about our church, thinking about each one of you. Because the natural question I have to ask right now is this. Have you ever sealed the deal of salvation in your life? I was talking to a a young couple after the first service today. And the tension or the struggle they were trying to navigate is I I I was baptized as a kid. But now I know like this is like I got a relationship with Jesus now. And I know I need to be baptized. That was the statement. And I looked at him and I said, There is water inside if you really want to do this right now. They're going to wait till June 27th. (laughs) But here's what I want to encourage you with. Some of you are in a place where you have made a decision to give your life to Jesus, but you've never sealed it with baptism. We want to celebrate with you, church. And you need the accountability that comes with it. This eunuch walked back up to his chariot. I promise you, He started explaining what just happened to his entourage. He goes back into Africa, gets the gospel into Ethiopia. Philip went on preaching and teaching the good news. But this is how the message of the gospel goes out. It's what we see all through the book of Acts. And so I wanna invite you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. This is about as direct as you get. If you're here in the room today and you would say, I've given my life to Jesus, maybe even right now, Maybe in this message, you just realize, you know what? I, I, I actually believe in who Jesus is and I wanna give my life to him and I wanna trust him and I believe that he did die for my sins and I believe that he rose on the third day. Maybe today you're making a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Your next step is baptism. Or maybe you're here and you would say, I, I am a Christian, but I've never actually been baptized and gone public with my faith. Your next step is baptism. Can I invite you right now? If you're here and you would say, I need to be baptized. I need to publicly seal the deal of my salvation. I need to let my family and my friends and this church know that I'm now living for Jesus. You say, I need to be baptized. Would you just lift your hand right now, wherever you are. I see you, keep it up. I'm gonna pray for you. Amen, I see you in the risers. I see you to the right over here. Praise God, anybody else? God, right now, there are hands in this room, and I believe even responses online, God, of people who are making a decision to be baptized. I pray that we get to celebrate 
their obedience and rejoice with them as they go through these baptism waters. God, I thank you that your spirit is speaking to them even right now. Now with every head bowed, nobody looking around if, and listening to this message and even right now as the spirit speaking to you, you would say, you know, God's put somebody in my life that's got questions. God's put somebody in my life that's, that's in a chariot that I need to walk over to. And God's given you a name over the last 30 minutes of somebody that needs to be your plus one, somebody you need to reach out to. If there's a name that God's impressing on your heart right now, would you just lift your hand? My goodness. All across the room, hands all over the place. God, these are people that you know and that you sent Jesus to die for. And so I ask God that you would just embolden us to listen to your spirit, to send a text message today or to make a phone call today or maybe take to a lunch or a dinner this week. God, I pray that that we would be obedient to reach out to these who need to desperately know you. God, please speak for us. Give us the boldness, give us the words to say, but more than anything, the willingness just to go. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst and that you're moving right now. We celebrate the stories in advance of what you're gonna do. Now church, look at me, all eyes right here. I believe, I believe that what God's doing right now in these moments is, is a couple things. Some of you are like, I feel, the, I feel God's spirit speaking to me right now. Maybe he's convicting you of some sin that's in your life. And you go, I wanna hear from him, but my life is too cluttered with stuff. Maybe, maybe, maybe what he's saying to you right now is just clean some of that stuff out. And during this worship set, you can just take time to just confess to him these sins that are in your life and repent, begin walking with them afresh and anew. Maybe for the person that, uh, the name that you just had, you lifted your hand for, can I ask you to do something for us? Would you just write that name on the back of one of those Next Steps cards so we can pray for them this week as you reach out to them? Just the first name. Don't write their story. Don't write last name. We don't need all that. Just the first name. Maybe it's James. Just write James. And as a staff, we want to pray for that person this week because you lifted your hand and you cared about them. And if you, if you said you need to be baptized, those of you who lift your hands to be baptized, put that on the Next Steps card so we can reach out and get you in the waters over the next couple of weeks. Would y'all stand to your feet? We're gonna end this time in worship and celebration, but please respond as God's leading right now.